What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nuclear Barbarians. It is I, your nuclear barbarian, Emmett Penny. And I, just so y'all know, have stepped up the corporate ladder because now I'm sitting in a boardroom, technically, with some fine people over at Entergy, specifically Kimberly Cook Nelson, who is their chief nuclear officer. Is that the right way to say that, Kimberly? That's right, chief nuclear officer. Oh, man. What a cool title. I'm jealous. Um, so, I've got a lot of questions for you. Welcome to the show. I'm really glad you're here. And uh, my first question before we get into the whatever cool stuff Entergy is up to is, how'd you get the cool job title? Tell me the story. <laughs> you know, Emmett, when I look back on, you know, where did my nuclear career really start? It was like sixth grade. And uh, I did my sixth grade science project on nuclear power. Two refrigerator boxes, primary system cut out of one, secondary system cut out of the other, different color cellophanes to show pressurized water, steam, all of that. And uh, I think I didn't come in first, but I think I came in second, but nuclear power really started for me there. Uh, coming out of college, yeah, I went to the University of New Orleans for a mechanical engineering degree. And uh, coming out of college, I uh, kind of took what I could get so I could make some money and support myself. But after a year or so, started looking at what did I really want to do. And there was an opening at Waterford 3 Nuclear Station, which wasn't far from where I was at. And I went there and spent 18 years at Waterford 3. Thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, it's one thing about nuclear power. You can go to a plant and hold 10 different jobs doing 10 different things and never have to move. I was in maintenance, I was in engineering, I was in operations, I was in reg assurance, I did continuous improvement. I mean, there's so many opportunities and I took advantage of all of them. I left, uh, I left Waterford 3 as the plant manager and uh, went and spent some time at the Institute of Nuclear Power Operations for a while. Got to go all over the United States and South America. I mean, it's not South America, South Africa. And, uh, you know, see how other people ran their stations. And then spent some time with corporate, spent some time on the enterprise. And, you know, just really feel blessed to have the opportunity to have the position that I have today. I never would have thought that I would be sitting here today. And it's just awesome. Man, that is so cool. I love that arc. That's so fascinating. Um, I mean, all I knew about nuclear power when I was the age you were when you crushed the science fair, apparently, uh, was that Mr. Burns owned a nuclear power plant that Homer Simpson's worked at. Um, so you're way ahead of where I was at that age. Um, so let me, can I ask you a question about uh, uh, Waterford? So I, I have a lot of international listeners who might not know where that plant is or what it's about. Tell, tell me a little bit about your time there, because I really love that you have this like almost soup to nuts experience working in a nuclear power plant. Yeah, absolutely. So Waterford 3 is a pressurized water reactor. It's located just outside the city of New Orleans. So you get the best of both worlds. You can live, I always say, when I was recruiting people there, you can live on a farm or you can live in downtown New Orleans and everything in between. So, so much to offer. I started there as an engineer uh, and after a few years of engineering, thoroughly enjoyed it, learned design basis, licensing basis. And then uh, I got to go work in maintenance and I was a mechanical maintenance first line supervisor for a couple of years. And I look back, probably favorite job that I ever had. 
uh, getting to work in the plant and, and get things done. So I, after that, I got my senior reactor's operator's license, which is probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life and got to spend some time in the control room. And, uh, you know, it really went on from there. But, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because you look at nuclear power plants across the United States. And really, if you're interested in nuclear power, you know, you can have any kind of it's not lifestyle, but how you want to live, right? You can live at a farm, you can live in a suburb, you can live in the middle of the city, you know, anything that you want is, is right there at your fingertips. That's amazing. I'd be terrified to live in New Orleans because I feel like I'd be hiring a second line all the time to follow me around celebrating nuclear power. Um, uh, weddings so. and funerals, my friend. Weddings <laughs> and funerals. <laughs> um, so... Uh, let me ask you this, with your incredibly deep and voluminous experience in uh, the industry, now you are the CNO over at Entergy. Why don't you tell me a little bit about what that job means and what your day-to-day -day looks like? Sure. So, you know, really it's my job to represent, you know, over 3,800 employees at Entergy, Inter you know, and I represented them internally. I represent them across the industry. I represent them with, with our, our stakeholders. And, you know, it's because it's my team that makes sure that the plants operate, right, mm -hmm. and operate safely. So I used to get to do that. Now I get to represent the team. And so I really, you know, my favorite parts of my day is when I get to go back to the plants, when I get to meet with the mm -hmm. folks that are out there working every day, making sure they're safe, reliable, getting to know their, you know, hear their ideas, um, getting to know them personally, and it really helps me better represent them as well and, uh, you know, support them because, you know, really all of our success as a fleet and as a company really belongs to them. So I just get to really talk about all the awesome things that they're doing all the time. So <laughs> well, that sounds nice. Part. Yeah, that sounds, uh, that's, and, and you're, and you yourself are sort of are making history, correct? Like, uh, I can't imagine that there are, and hopefully there will be more because of people like you, female CNOs. I, I am one of three right now, probably a, a handful ever. So, uh, you know, again, as I said before, I sometimes pinch myself still that I get the opportunity to sit in this position. But, you know, one thing I can say about Entergy is, you know, Entergy really is committed to the diversity, inclusion, and belonging, um, and our company leadership and our workforce reflect that. And uh, you know, obviously, I'm a, I, I'm a, a reflection of that just in myself and and where I get to sit. So, you know, understanding having diverse, a diverse workforce, different backgrounds, different experiences, different educations, it really makes our whole company stronger and helps us elevate the you know, the best and the brightest um, in our company. And, you know, as I mentioned, I spent my entire career with Entergy and it's really helped me forge some unique relationships with those folks and, and get to help, you know, develop um, all of our folks along their path as well. So I do get to get out. I get to go speak at industry events just last week. That was last week. I was at the U.S. Women in Nuclear Conference Ooh. and, uh, Got to meet, yeah, well, I didn't get to meet all of them, but quite a few of the 702 uh, 
women and nuclear uh, folks, which had a few men in there too. In fact, a few more than what I've seen before. So that was really good to see too, helping to advocate for women. But uh, you know, from all over the US and, and I met a lady from UAE. And so there was a few outside the US that were able to come too. Uh, but it really is important for me to show others, particularly other women um, in the nuclear industry that you can Right. This field is conducive to, um, you know, other women, minorities, and you can have positions, uh, leadership positions you know, here as well. Well, fantastic. I love that. Um, I'm happy to hear that uh, there are some more men out there advocating as well. I think that's a good sign. You're right. That's healthy and good. We should expect a little bit more of that. And I hope we'll see it. So. Man, I have so many questions, but I guess I'm going to start broad and then maybe we'll we'll put some layers on. So uh, tell me about Entergy's fleet a little bit. You said your favorite part is going out uh, out to the plants. What, what do y'all got? What's in the garage? <laughs> so we have uh, four stations, five reactors, plus a headquarters organization across our service territory. So you know, two in um, Louisiana, one in Mississippi, uh, two reactors at one station in Arkansas, and then of course our headquarters, our nuclear headquarters here in Jackson, Mississippi. Our company headquarters is, is down in New Orleans. Um, so we have lots of opportunity, lots of opportunity to get out with our communities, get out with our stakeholders, um, volunteer. And we really are important to the communities that are around us, the communities we serve, and a big piece of the economic development in our communities as well. So very, very proud of them. Yeah. And uh, well, I mean, this is one of the things that I talk about, just the incredible wealth that nuclear power plants bring to communities. Um, fantastic jobs. Uh, they can last for so long. That's why I call them industrial cathedrals, um, because host communities can sort of be centered around them in the same way that uh, major metropolises used to be built around major cathedrals. But Entergy, it sounds like, uh, the vibe I'm getting, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, has an energy vision for the future and nuclear features prominently in that. Why don't you describe that for me? Where is this company headed when it comes to nuclear? I think a lot of American advocates want to know how the utilities are going about this because you guys have the keys to the kingdom. You have the actual plants. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and if I start maybe just a little bit broader, you know, even just outside of energy, when you look at the industry as a whole, the, you know, there's so many environmental, you know, pros of nuclear power and really there's growing support for it as the country looks to decarbonize. You know, I, we had some, um, you know, uh, some stats we were looking at just the other day and there was a recent Gallup poll that showed 55% of the U.S. adults support the use of nuclear power and the highest highest in the public se sector since like 2012. Um, and so, you know, that suggests the advances in nuclear technologies, new federal climate laws really are helping to shift the, the public opinion. And, um, you know, so, so as a, as a, 
country as a whole, and actually I could say a world, right? There's a recognition of nuclear power being clean, carbon-free, available 24-7, 365 days a year, um, and understanding that nuclear with your solar, your hydro, your wind is really paramount to our green, your green future. And so here at Entergy, you know, we see that as well. You know, Entergy's made commitments around achieving net zero carbon emissions by 2050. Um, and an interim commitment for 50% of our power ge generation rate to be um, to come from clean carbon free energy sources like nuclear by 2030. And so, and that was 50% of our year 2000 um, levels, I should say. And so, you know, in order to do that, nuclear is a really important piece. You know, so we're looking at things like um, subsequent relicensing of the plants that we have, you know, knowing that the fleet that we have today are going to help us meet our 2030 goals. And then we need to keep them running to meet our 2050 goals. And probably, have something new in that mix to meet Ooh. our 2050 goals, right? As we continue to, you know, grow, um, electrification is out there. You know, we see, you know, massive growth in um, demand. And so how are we going to meet that growth? And so there, it's going to be a diverse portfolio, but nuclear power absolutely has to be part of that mix. Well, that's what I love to hear. I love the uh, the spicy tantalizer of perhaps something new coming down the pike. Um, that's that's something we all love to hear. And I know that you guys can't uh, talk at length about that, but I appreciate the teaser trailer um, for perhaps some new nuclear. So let me ask this. Um, this is something that I've become increasingly uh, concerned about, and I'd like to hear from somebody in the utility nuclear space about, um, because my understanding, and again, you know better than I, so correct me if I'm wrong, uh, most of your assets uh, and your nuclear assets are spread within MISO, the Mid-Continent Independent System Operator, both Central North and South, correct? We're um, in MISO South. And so all okay. of our units are in the MISO South portion. Now we do, you know, there's a interconnect in the central portion and we do flow megawatts north to south, south to north, depending on what the weather's like, if how much wind's blowing, <laughs> all that good stuff. But yes, yeah, yeah, so we're perfect. mostly MISO South. Okay, so you're mostly MISO South. So uh, I'm more familiar with what's going on in MISO North Central because um, it unfortunately gets more headlines. Uh, and because uh, my state, Illinois, is split in half between PJM and MISO. So MISO eats up the second half of the bottom half of Illinois. So uh, I'm sort of like, I'm wondering, MISO South seems to be a little bit of a different story, um, but I'd like to hear about what the relationship between the assets, the utility, and the RTO are like, because I think a lot of people who advocate for nuclear, and this is true for myself, the grid is just this abstract concept where you just like, we just, I don't know, you plug it in or whatever. There's the big cord that plugs into the back of the nuclear power plant and it says it there. But actually, there's this whole other thing going on. So can you tell me a little bit about uh, how those things uh, interact and how nuclear does in the RTO area? 
Yeah, I mean, we've been a member of MISO for quite some time. I don't think I can remember the exact date uh, when we joined, but we, you know, our customers have continued to get benefit year over year being part of MISO. Uh, you know, when it comes to nuclear and how we fit in, you know, we are, we're a base load, right? So we, mm-hmm. you know, we are treated, we bid in, et cetera, as a base load. Uh, nuclear power plants of, of our generation like to run at 100%, and we keep them running at 100%. You know, as you look at some of the new advanced reactors coming down the pike, I think you'll see some more load following coming out of those. But, you mm-hmm. know, today we are base load. Um, and we, you know, Entergy has, um, gosh, as long as I can remember, really had a, all of the above philosophy when it comes to our energy portfolio. So we have hydro, we have coal, we have gas, mm-hmm. we have nuclear, and we have solar and our solar is growing and our coal is diminishing, right? We have commitments to have all of our coal down um, by 2030. And so we're aggressively building out our solar networks um, here in our service territories. And having that all of the above portfolio allows us to, you know, hedge through potential volatilities that, you know, honestly, we're seeing in some parts of our country, Uh, you know, so when gas prices are high, you know, we have, you know, we have our base of nuclear, we're expanding our solar, etc. You know, when we're monitoring how much solar penetration that we have, because, you know, we've seen the studies, you get too high on a non-dispatchable resource, you know, you can get some volatility in it's the, a little um, weird you know, in the grid. yeah so you know we we take all that into account as we're um, looking toward the future to make sure that we absolutely keep this section of the grid reliable for our customers for the long run that's awesome okay so that was really clarifying um i think it's just good for all of us who care about I mean, energy in general, not even necessarily climate, think about what each different power source could bring to us and how those things are behaving on that. Now, um, I am something of a student of the history of the utility industry in uh, America. And one of the things that I have noticed is uh, that the comms around nuclear has been a bear for everybody who likes nuclear both within and without the industry. And there are a lot of complex reasons for that. But I think part of the reason that you're talking to me today, who has a podcast called Nuclear Barbarians, is because you guys are interested in reaching out and telling the story of nuclear in a new way. So what's, as CNO, what's your vision for that? Like, what do you want to see changing in how nuclear gets talked about and how the public understands it? Yeah, there's a couple of reasons that, you know, come to mind. You know, one certainly is, you know, a- again, as we move toward this um, carbon-free future, you know, I see nuclear has to be part of the mix, you know, and, and my peer set sees that nuclear has to be part of that mix. You know, and the, the stations that we have right now are not going to run forever. So we have to get more and more excitement around what that next generation is going to look like and start getting them built, you know, so that we can maintain part of the mix, which we see as vital for our energy future. You know, there's another piece of that is, you know, because of this excitement, because of this, you know, nuclear reawakening, you might want to call it, 
Um, we also need to make sure that we have a very strong pipeline of workers that are coming mm. our way. So, you know, we have groups like Women in Nuclear, like NAYGN, which is the you know younger generation of nuclears, ANS, you know, American Nuclear Society, um, all these groups that are really focusing on, you know, along with Entergy ourselves, you know, focusing on getting into the schools, getting, you know, the young folks, right? This that 14 year old age where people kind of start deciding what they might want to do mm-hmm. with their lives and making sure that folks know, you know, about STEM, about engineering, about, you know, maintenance offerings, operators, how to be a non-licensed operator so that we can, you know, start gearing toward people that there is a future in nuclear and we need folks to come in you know to help us be those committed strong nuclear professionals that we need to operate and maybe at some point here build Mm. our power plants right i mean our workforce today is dedicated professionals that are committed to our communities volunteering bettering the lives of our customers um, and also introducing our next workforce you know, our, our next pipeline of folks into the workforce. You know, I've got, I've got a daughter who starts college this week. We're moving her in Ooh, on Friday. Whoa. And she's whoa. decided she's, yeah, I know. She's decided she's going to be an engineer. And, uh, you know, I'm not strong arming her in any way, but, you know, <laughs> making sure that she knows that, you know, nuclear is definitely an opportunity. And, uh, you know, and if she's not interested, go tell all your friends. So, uh, you know, whatever way that we can get to make sure that we get that good, uh, that good workforce for the future will be very important. Wow. I love that. I think that's so true about the workforce. You know, I have friends in uh, oil and gas who said one of the things that they're worried about is that they're just not getting enough undergrads into their petroleum engineer programs. And the long-term consequences for that is starting to make them sweat a little bit. And so it's good to hear that um, uh, you have your eye on the important influx of, you know, the, the fresh crop. You know, that's so important for continuity of the industry. Human capital is, I think, in uh, undersold, under-addressed aspect of this. We think of the plants as just the plants, but really, you know, it's the people that make them work. And as you would know, you used to make one work. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's not just the engineers, right? It's welders, mm-hmm. it's electricians, it's operators, it's chemists, it's, you know, folks in HR, it's finance, it's communications. I could go on and on. I mean, all those folks work in nuclear power plants. Absolutely. So speaking of all of that, here's a question that I kind of want to tie some of the earlier questions to these later ones. What from your early experience in the industry, like working at Waterford, say, has um, what and how has it impacted the work you do today? Um, like what are some important lessons from being at the plant level that you've taken into your new role, et cetera? You know, a lot of it is just... Um... I think the impact of having walked in folks shoes, you know, I did, mm-hmm. I like, you know, I sometimes joke, I've probably done every job at a nuclear power plant that you can do, you know, and I, I've worked in, in engineering, I've worked, you know, I've, I've been in the, the middle of these big butterfly valves, you know, working on seals and, and maintenance, I've operated the reactor, I've been on the, you know, 12 hour 
rotating shifts uh you know just yeah i could go i'll, I'll stop because i could go on and on with all the examples <laughs> um you know but you know it, it helps when things come up when issues come up um when decisions come up you know being able to have that kind of empathy maybe would be the right term of you know what it was like you know in this position or that position and each one's different so you can't peanut butter spread things across because there are different um conditions for each one and being able to bring that to the decision making has been very helpful and then when i get to go to the sites and meet with folks you know having that um relation right mm -hmm. i can relate to the conversations of you know what they're doing or what they're going through at their minute now i'm not gonna you know pretend that you know when i was in maintenance 25 years ago is exactly how maintenance is today right sure. we grow we learn we change uh, but there's enough of the overlap to to be able to relate what people are bringing to the table and then i can weigh that into our decision making our initiatives the things that we're we're going about to doing so it really was valuable for me man that's so cool having the ability to sort of like be at ground level you know and then zoom out with your new role, but then also be able to zoom back in to relate to people, I think is very, very key for, I think just uh, collegial relations, uh, you know, um, and also I think for respect across the company. So that's very, very beautiful to hear. And, you know, I just think that, uh, I just think it's so, so crucial that people come to respect the people that work at the plants. You know, I talked to some advocates in Germany, for example, and um, there are there have been people, I mean, they've killed off their plants now, but the people who worked at them said that they were sometimes scared to even admit that they worked at a nuclear power plant. And I'm glad that things have not gotten to that point here. And it seems like we're about to have a whole new conversation about nuclear, which you're going to be, you know, part of leading the charge on. But um, yeah, I just think respect for the people who turn wrenches and, and handle all this is paramount, and we don't have enough of it. As I said earlier, I'm not out there running the plants. They are, and I couldn't be sitting here without the awesome group of folks that we have. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you this. Um, when it comes to being in the utility industry generally, like what is the relationship between uh, energy and other utilities like how do you are you guys in communication with each other are you talking with each other about the your, in your role your nuclear assets together and about how you change this messaging around it because of the needs for climate and electrification or what's going on absolutely and i guess i'll i'll speak to you know particularly my peers in the nuclear industry you know that is one thing that makes us to me very unique is there is so much transparency between mm. nuclear stations across the U.S. and you know, and growing more and more across the world. But we share everything. I mean, I've got hundreds of indicators that I can compare. You know, to the smallest level, my plant against you know one of the others in the industry, and it it on one hand creates a healthy uh, competition. Right. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to be the best. And I think it's part of what has made the nuclear industry just every year we get better and better and better. And, uh, and you know, so that's part of that. But it also makes for you can tell when someone is, 
you know, maybe not keeping up with the pack. And then you reach out and you offer help and the support and the help across all of the, the sites across our industry um, is immense. You know, we've all had plants that maybe aren't doing quite as well as the others. And, you know, we all rally and we bring them back up to the excellent standards that we expect from our plants every day. So I, I see my peers a lot at different um, engagements, whether it's with NEI or IMPO or, you know, just just at the U.S. Women in Nuclear. Saw mm -hmm. a bunch of my peers there last week and uh, was able to catch up with them. And so, I mean, I guess uh, just to kind of round that out is. I have never seen, and I have a lot of friends, a lot of industry, I've never seen an industry that is as closely tied and supportive of what I see in the nuclear industry. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love to hear that. And do they share um, Entergy's uh, passion for communicating the value of the plants like you guys are right now? Um, I mean, I know that also like, and if, if the answer was no, for any of them, we're not going to ask you to speak on their behalf. You know, every company has to make its own calculations about what's in its footprint, what's acceptable to whom, when it's the right time to say something, and when it's the right time to be quiet. So I'm very sensitive to that. I'm not trying to like call people out. I'm just trying to like take the temperature of where the industry is going with this. I see quite a lot. I mean, you could just look on LinkedIn and I'm, you know, linked with a bunch of folks from, you know, other, uh, other utilities across the industry. And, and I see most of us out there telling the story, you know, touting the, um, positives about nuclear industry and, and all the things that we're doing with our folks and the workforce and, and recruiting and everything. So I know I'm not a minority. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I love to hear that. Um, okay. So I, gosh, the time is flying. Um, okay. So I want to make sure that I get, uh, get some more uh, uh, questions in here. So now that um, this is sort of like a, almost like a policy consequences question that I haven't gotten a chance to, uh, to ask anybody. So I'd be very interested to hear your thoughts, you know, um, we just had the biggest like climate spending bill in history come through the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, what does that mean for utilities? What does that mean for you? I don't have a lot of visibility on uh, its impacts. I mean, I you know uh, I don't hang out at the offices of Entergy, so I can't just walk around asking you guys, hey, what about the Inflation Reduction Act? But I'm going to do that today. What, what what's that mean for you guys? Well, there's certainly a lot of positive steps that you know come out of that and it's so broad right whether mm -hmm. you're talking about um, green hydrogen whether you're talking about resiliency I mean we we have a lot as a company a lot of pieces that we're looking at in the inflation reduction act you know home here in nuclear you know there's some of it that is in there but hasn't necessarily come out as far as what are the specific guidelines? What are the specific dates? Those kind of things. So we're anxiously anticipating what that could be. You know, there's there's monies available potentially for upgrades. There's monies available mm -hmm. for building new. There's money monies available for you know supporting the the fleets that are running right now. You know, and to help make sure that we stay viable for the long term. So lots of opportunities there. 
lots of folks looking at how we can use it to the best advantages for our customers, for our communities, you know, for our, for all of our stakeholders. So I guess that's uh, probably what I have to say about that right now. There's still there's still a few not unknowns out there. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, well, I mean, I think that there's sort of this idea out there and I've certainly had it before until I had to start covering this stuff every day in my newsletter where it's like the law gets signed and then everybody's just like, yeah, we're doing that now. But there are all these intermediary steps, you know, where where things need to be spelled out a little bit. Um, And so, I mean, you know, Entergy has this footprint. that is within the MISO footprint as well. There seems to be like all these lapidary levels of things that can impact the utility and its business because there are so many overlapping institutions in our electricity sector. So one of the things that I'm curious about is how how do you go about handling policy, state, federal, I mean, even within um, in, in RTO? It seems like a lot to balance. What interaction do you have with that as the CNO? So I had, it is, you know, it is a lot to balance. And, you know, we have um, you know, regulatory folks that interface with all of those different levels, you know, good, good relationships with our um, regulators, in our service territories, um, those folks have good relationships with us, and you know it's really about communication, transparent and open communication on you know how we're all after the same goal, right? To have the, the lowest rates for our customers, most reliable service for our customers, mm-hmm. and then you know as our customers want different things like a green tariff or hey I you know I would like mine to be all um, emissions-free um, sure. generation. You know, I just want mine to be the lowest that you can absolutely, you know, give me <laughs> and keep my cut my bill as low as possible. And, you know, and so in the end, all of these regulators are focused on, you know, trying to support our customers. And so, you know, as long as we remember that, you know, have that open communication and, and put together those strategic plans to, to achieve those, good things happen. Yeah, so it just seems sounds like what I'm hearing is that there just needs to be a lot of as much transparency as possible and a lot of collaboration. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, so this is sort of going to be going to be my final my final one here because I have uh, I think just a really nice question to close with, and it's what's giving you hope in the nuclear sphere today. <laughs> Well, you know, there's probably quite a few things. You know, I mentioned that poll earlier about the public support for nuclear growing, and that really excites me because without that, you know, we we won't be able to continue to expand the nuclear footprint, which I personally think is going to be important as you know, more renewables come in, more non-dispatchable resources come in. You're gonna have to have that reliable baseload energy you know yes uh, you know some of it is likely going to be gas with a carbon capture mm-hmm. you know but likely a piece of that is going to continue to be nuclear and i see that that future is very very bright for us so that makes me excited it makes me excited when i meet new people i met a student last week from university of tennessee and she was just you know brimming with she's working on her masters in nuclear and she 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 
likes nuclear, but what she really wants to do is community outreach and telling the nuclear story to those folks that need to hear it. And when I meet people like that, a young young lady so excited, it just it just makes my day. So I look forward to seeing more and more of that and you know more and more people to recognize clean, reliable nuclear energy as part of our secure carbon free future. I love that. Yeah. I love to hear that there are going to be people putting me out of work as an advocate. Honestly, that's go. great. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> Welcome, you know, so, okay. Um, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day and everybody listening out there. Thank you for tuning in. Remember, stay sharp, stay strong and stay radiant. We will see you next time.